Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from 4 Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bulk, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickheads you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it yeah. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars hello and welcome to the show joining us this week uh, the voice of v8 supercars chad Dalen. good evening chad good evening buddy it was a, uh, a marvelous weekend over in my hometown nearly got rained on but uh, i think we've learned one thing that we we don't need rain to make these sunday races exciting they've got plenty of drama Packed with them in uh, dry conditions, I think. Well, Stefan Bartholomeus from Speed Cafe. Sunday might be right, but, geez, in my opinion, they've got a lot to do to get Saturday there. I was hoping you'd give me a bigger intro than that, Craig. I thought I'd be the, <laughs> the, the typing fingers of V8 Supercars or something. It's great if, uh, if Chad's the voice of. But, well, uh, actually, okay, I, I can do that again for you. His last, his 2014 last Journalist of the Year. <laughs> Stefan Bartholomeus joins us from Speed Cafe. Oh, no, that means I have to be insightful now. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a dangerous person. Yes, well, I am sure you are all over it, as is the stories this week on speedcafe.com.au. Because, well, I did set it up for you. Do you want to put it to the boundary? Saturday isn't working for me. Well, it's... Um it's certainly, uh, we took the pain on Saturday to see the uh, excitement of Sunday, shall we say. It's certainly, um, I wouldn't just single out Saturday as not working. I think Friday is arguably the bigger disaster. It's uh, not uh, not really proving much value to, to anyone pounding around on uh, rubbish tyres on Friday when no one's got any idea what's going on. Um, but yeah, the Saturday races were, uh, were fairly dull and... Uh, I don't know if anything's going to change anytime soon, though. No, and that's it, Chad. I, I can't see anything changing soon because it's all about saving money. Yeah, and, I mean, everyone wants to see soft tyres come into Saturday to spice things up, but, you know, it's pretty apparent that I don't think that Dunlop have that availability of soft tyres here. Uh, it is on the, the agenda, no doubt, with the Commission right now. The Commission, of all people, don't want to see bad racing. They don't want to see things get boring. They, they want things to be exciting, but they obviously want it to be cost-effective as well. So they'll be looking into a way of fixing this, no doubt. I'd be very surprised if we get all the way through all these super sprint races without some kind of amendment being made to the Saturday format. I feel like the Friday one obviously needs a touch-up as well, like Steph alluded to. Because uh, Fridays last year were exciting when you had a set of tyres that you had to give back. It at least gave us some headlines that were worth something at the end of the day. So that'd be cool if there was a way that we could figure out um, getting some kind of magical set of tyres into Friday. Uh, but definitely needs a, a bit of a rethink. My understanding, particularly on Friday, is that you can use a, a, a new set of tyres, but you then have to use them at some other stage throughout the year. So uh, you just, you know, go out, do some laps, get some information, but you're going to burn yourself at some other stage. Yeah, I think the only way you can use new tyres on Friday is if you use one out of your uh, out of your weekend allocation, which is uh, pretty suicidal. Um, but it's even like we're talking about Friday practice, but like by the time we got to Sunday morning practice, everyone was looking at each other going, what, what is the point of the session? Like no one's got any tyres to run 
and uh, we were just going out again for 15 minutes for the, for the hell of it. So it's um, it's it's a bizarre format. I know that uh, Fabian Coulthard said to me uh, on Sunday night. He said it's probably a good thing that they cut back the testing allowance because we don't have any tyres to uh, do any <laughs> testing on anyway. Yeah, obviously needs a bit of a rethink. Um, I have a feeling that it's being talked about at the moment. Um, a lot of people that were involved with the decision on the commission were thinking that come May, after a couple of these super sprint rounds, it would be apparent that this would be a problem and they'd have to give it a bit of a rethink. So hopefully they, they come up with some kind of solution that um, still manages to save the team some money. Because let's, let's face it, that is a serious whack of cash that we're talking about here, that they're saving just by cutting up those uh, valuable, valuable sets of tyres for the weekend. But, you know, you've got two hours of practice on Friday that you need to make entertaining for television, so you've got to give them something to at least run around on. Because of the way they're just doing rally driving or speedway driving on Friday around a slippery Barbagello track is, is pretty poor TV. And, and that's the thing. Forget about the people who might come and have a look. You're getting to the point with no tyres, Stefan. Why even have V8 Supercars on the track on Friday at all? Come in, set up on Friday maybe have some support races going on around, but don't get there Thursday and and do all your promotion on the, the Friday. Yeah, well, I think if they were going to go to two-day um, for these sort of what they call heritage tracks nowadays, if they were going to go to two days of yeah, supercar track action, you probably wouldn't run anything on Friday, especially because mm-hmm. yeah, supercars promote all these events. But it's something that's, that's often been talked about, but... Um, I don't know. Chad would have more insight into the into the TV side of it, but um, I mean, if they've just done this deal with Fox that they show six thousand hours of Friday telecast. <laughs> um, it would be ironic to chop it out now, but um, as you say, the, the value of it for the teams isn't really there. But then we see that like Walkinshaw's flying over three co-drivers to run on Friday. Like um, the cost of that because they they can't test anymore. So it's whenever they try to squeeze cost out of one area, they just put it in another. Mm, it does seem like it's a never-ending circle. Hey, you can now hear Inside Supercars on Stitcher. Stitcher is radio on demand. You can download the free app today. Listen anytime, anywhere. Stitcher is the award-winning app that lets you listen to your favourite show, this one, of course, Inside Supercars, plus Discover from 20,000 news, entertainment and other sports shows. You can create a custom playlist. It's available on Apple, Android, Nook, iPad, over 4 million in-car dashboards. If you're listening now, don't drive off the road. It's perfectly safe. It's on demand and on the go. Listen to Inside Supercars on Stitcher when you're not at your favourite computer's terminal. We'll take a break here on Inside Supercars and be back with plenty more when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to uh, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars as... 
Stefan Bartholomeus, the 2014, well, you won so many awards, I don't know which one to pick from. So multi-award-winning journalist for Speed Cafe. And Chad Nalen, who's certainly in the running for 2015. He's uh, the most most heard voice in V8 Supercars history, I think. <laughs> I apologise for that. <laughs> it is uh, pretty amazing the amount of work you're getting through now that you're television and track commentary. It's... Uh, an amazing amount of work. Congratulations on that. Let's talk Saturday. As we have already discovered, I'm not a fan of the format. It just reminds me of the uh, halftime 60-60 races that work so well. But Mark Winterbottom managed to get, uh, what was it, 150 points out of Saturday with two wins, Chad. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a long time coming, I think, for that first pole position. Uh, for the FGX, I mean, obviously just this year, but for Ford, that was, I think, 46, 47 races without a pole position, going back to Frosty's last one in 2013 at Phillip Island. So that was one tick right there. Um, <clears throat> outside of that, uh, they were pretty much the, the cut above the rest on the Saturday. They had far superior tyre dead compared to the rest of the field. Um, I feel like Chaz had the faster car in that first race. I mean, he seemed to do it pretty effortlessly sitting behind Frosty. Obviously, was never going to have a crack. And then when you had uh, Winkup, who was uh, pretty far off it on that second race, I mean, Winterbottom showed everyone just how much speed PRA had. And that probably would have signed, sealed and delivered Sunday as well had that safety car not completely ruined their uh, their strategy, although Van Gisbergen and Tanda would have been there at the end. But it's pretty cool to see the blue cars strong again, I reckon. And uh, the tracks that we go to, which are flowing, like here, like Sydney Motorsport Park, Phillip Island, I think they will be the front runners. Interesting, all those tracks that, Chad just mentioned, Stefan, are all heritage circuits. Yeah, certainly it's going to uh, it's going to differ track to track in terms of who uh, who's really setting the pace from what we've seen so far this year. But I think um, the impressive thing with Mark Winterbottom on the weekend was um, the fact that, as, as Chad was saying, um, Chad did seem to have slightly more pace um, overall, but Frosty just got it done at the right times. Like his starts were incredible all weekend which um, won him both races on Saturday and put him in the box seat on Sunday. And it's doing all those those types of things is uh, is what makes or breaks these, these races. So um, he certainly, um, he'd initially struggled a lot more than Chaz, I think, with this with this car, even though obviously he did win the races at uh, Albert Park, but um, just getting the, the front end of the corners, um, Chaz can sort of freestyle a bit better than, than Frosty, I think. So... Um, it was uh, good to see him get a couple of wins. Mm. It was also interesting that the, it was the U-Bet event, and as Chad said, Stefan, there was no chance that the second-place car was ever going to have a go at the first-place car, even though if they were racing at their merits, he had the better car. Yeah, um, the dynamic between those two is quite interesting because they do, um, from all reports, genuinely get on very well. Um, but I think we're going to see them racing very close a lot this year, and um, yeah, you said that, that Chad, uh, Chaz, Chaz um, yeah, was never going to have a go, but at some point he might this year. Uh, we sat behind him in Albert Park, and um, it was quite an interesting little bit of radio chat there on on Sunday in that safety car, where um, Chaz had said uh, to his engineer Adam Debore that um, if I'm faster here, can can you fix it for me? Or there was some just like really um, quite to the point. Um, <laughs> bit of a uh, bit of communication that uh, said get him out of my way because I'm gonna I'm coming through so and he did end up doing a mega job there um Chaz in that 
in that last stint. He only had tyres that were like three laps older than, than Winterbottoms and ended up 11 positions ahead at the end. So uh, it's going to be interesting with those two through the end. Mm. The big story on Sunday, of course, Chaz was... Uh, Ch- Chad was... Chad and Chaz, it's, I don't know it's, why it's, it's so hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just caught me out, so uh, don't worry. <laughs> um, Davo's success on Sunday, Erebus having uh, their second win in their, in their history and coming just under a year from their last success. Yeah, and the, the thing that ties those two wins together, Lee Holdsworth at Winton and then this one here in Perth, is uh, how good that car is on its tyres. If you think back 12 months to... Uh, when Holdsworth chased down, I think it was Frosty and Coulthard from memory to, to make those moves and win the race in Winston. It came off the back of a 100k race, and the tyres were old and sludgy. And uh, Lee looked after them better with his Mercedes, chased down the front guys, passed them, and beat them just like we saw Will Davison do on the soft tyre, stretching that tyre to do probably five or six laps more than anyone ever expected it would have to do during that Sunday race. So I wonder if that's something that we need to start looking uh, towards. Uh, last year, we saw Frosty dominate on the Sunday races because PRA had such good tyre durability. This might start to become a bit of an ongoing thing. I mean, Will Davison just kept that gap of around three seconds to, to Craig Lowndes, just following him around for about nearly 20 laps. And then off the cliff, so they say, went Craig Lowndes' tyres, and then Will was all over him and then gapped him towards the finish. So this might be uh, a thing to watch out for now, just how good the Erebus cars are on tyres. Mm. And if he thought the pressure was uh, building after Saturday in Tassie and, and all the brouhaha that went around that, gee, didn't uh, the News Limited papers go hard, Stefan, on, uh, on the weekend about uh, him not wanting to be in a photo shoot? Yeah, so, I mean, I guess for the listeners that didn't... Uh didn't see it there was it did appear to be a bit of a uh, bit of a stitch up there with the, the news limited papers had tried to get them both together without allegedly without telling either one that the other one was going to be there and then i think the i don't know it was all a bit soap opera for me but i think the storyline was that will found out that james was going to be there and didn't or something i don't know but uh, they got to do what they got to do to sell papers these days well um, my understanding just to add to that was that they wanted they wanted a photo much like a boxer's De La Hoya, well, who was it on the weekend? Mayweather, Pacquiao, Mayweather. And Pacquiao. They wanted to have that sort of photo with two drivers standing nose to nose. <laughs> and that's what Will said, no, I'm not going to be part of that. But in the context of, like, not telling him about it is one thing, but in the context of, you know, the biggest thing on the radar tweeting across the country this weekend was that fight. In the context of saying we want to stage a photo like the boxers do, I think you would have had a better response yeah i guess part of it was just the fact that if and this is the problem with the calendar that's been talked about a lot lately like if this was if simmons was only a week or two back down the road it it sort of had good momentum but um it was five weeks ago like everyone was just completely over it like (laughs) and uh, it seemed a bit bizarre but um some listeners may remember the famous photo shoot with um Brett Murray dressed as Don King with, I think it was Frank Kitty and Montoya before one of the Gold Coast uh, Gold Coast races as the big title fight. That's that's how you do a photo shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, if, if it wasn't for Davo's success on Sunday, the story would have been Fabian Coulthard, wouldn't it? His qualifying red flag, when we heard it was the quickest red flag in the history of the race, punctuated by the fact that there wasn't even a safety car when two cars were bugged in the, bogged in the mud at the end of 
He's driven from second last position up onto the podium. Yeah, uh, that goes to show you how great these Sunday races are. If you roll the dice with strategy, um, you can end up looking very good at the end of it. Uh, I personally think that that was almost a blessing in disguise what happened to Fabian there. If he had qualified inside the top 10, he might have started on a soft set of ties to get some track position like guys like Van Gisbergen and co. did. And then uh, he would probably have finished back around 15th, 16th with no rubber at the end of the race. Instead, he was forced, and Phil Keane was forced, to go hard, hard, soft and hope that there might be a, a bit of a free kick towards the end of the game. They got it, and then Fabian drove brilliantly to make all those moves stick. Just because you've got soft tyres and you've got the advantage on everyone, you still need to make those passes stick and you still need to do them uh, cleanly, unlike Russell Ingle showed us at Winton last year. Um, so, fair play to them, but Fabian was downplaying that in the press, saying that their plan was always to go hard, hard, soft. Um, as for the safety car that didn't come out at the end, absolutely no issue with that. That was always a localised yellow. It's not like it's a massively fast part of the track. It was fine leaving those two cars there. Um, it was only going to be for a small amount of time anyway. Uh, if it had been at a different part of the track or you know, a really dangerous corner or a blind corner or a street circuit, different story. But I had no issues with that. And they didn't send any recovery vehicles out to try and get them while they were still racing. So no issues with that, really. The red flag, though, that, that was way too quick. That was crazy. Mm. Stefan, your take on the no safety car at the end of race nine? Well, this is something that um, always causes a bit of a bit of comment, like a bit of surprise that, oh, they, like outrage, um, certainly some of the comments we see on our, on our website that... Um, or that they didn't call the call the safety car, but this this always happens when it's late in the race. Um, the decision is to leave it under a local yellow. Um, I didn't actually see um, the the drivers getting out and how all that sort of process worked, but as long as that can be done safely under a local yellow, um, because they were obviously off off the track, then um, yeah, absolutely no problem with that. I think it's uh, I think it's the way to go. I guess. It's not a case of having a problem with it. It's a case of had that happened mid-race, had that happened first third of the race, would they have called for a safety car? Absolutely, but that's the point of it. So the reason that you do call for the safety car when it happens mid-race is because you can't leave it there for another hour. But if it happens in the last five minutes, you can. It's just logic. Chad, um, does this sound like the man who's already asked the question to the officials? Uh, it's, it's, no, Steph's hit it on the head there. I mean, it's one thing to leave a car there for three laps. It's a different story to leave it there for 30. And at the end of the day, it's a bit of uh, promoter's choice, isn't it? I mean, I'm not saying that there are any phantom safety cars or anything like that, but occasionally, what, what, what do the fans want? They, they complain when there's no safety cars and it gets boring, and then, you know, if a safety car does get called for something a bit dubious, then they complain about that too. So I think uh, I had no issue with it at the end of the day. And, um, you know, you can, you can still control a situation with a local yellow, and everyone abide by the rules and no harm, no foul. Mm. Well, finally, in, in this segment anyway, uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, he actually threw a race. Well, his team decided to throw a race. An interesting decision not to use the tyres, and, of course, the jury's certainly out whether it was worth it or not, Stefan. Uh, it was actually one of the most unfortunate parts about the Sunday safety car. I mean, obviously, that just determined the entire race. Um, but was that we never got to see um, the techno strategy actually play out because they had planned the three-stopper around the tyres that they had um, as 
that was the quickest way for them to run the race. But they were exposed. Like, whenever they do these strategies, you've got your sort of exposure windows. Um, and between laps, you know, 40 or 50, if there was a yellow, they were going to be in a world of hurt. And bang, just happened as... As it sometimes does, obviously, you know, pro drive strategy got got ruined by it too. But their their exposure was small, and they got absolutely done. So uh, it's a shame we didn't get to see that. The, the Saturday thing, I think it was it was really a no brainer for them to to save a set of tyres because they would directly seen in the race before that Jamie started twenty first, twenty first, wherever he started. Yeah, twenty first. Um, yep. He he pretty much got nowhere. So. Like Shane could have done exactly the same thing in the next race, and he would have gained four or five spots just by ragging a, a new set of tyres. So um, he, he was only down there because um, because he got sort of balked on his uh, on his hot lap in that second qualifying session. I think David Wall kind of got in his way, and he backed off and had thought he could then just go on the next lap. But of course, at Barber Yellow, the tyres don't uh, don't really give you too many shots at, at quality. So. Yeah, I think it was the right call, and it just we didn't get to see how good a call it was because the safety car changed everything on Sunday. Mm. Well, we need to take a break here on Inside Supercars, but don't, we'll certainly talk about putting eggs into baskets after this. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Joining me, Chad Nalen and Stefan Bartholomeus. And, uh, Stefan, before the break, you talked about the SVG, Shane Van Gisberg and strategy not getting to play out. Interestingly, we saw ProDrive Racing Australia decide to put not just the two Pepsi Max cars, but all four of their fleet onto the same tyre strategy rather than hedging their bets somewhere in their garages. Yeah, that was the thing that um, sort of even cringed a little bit, just seeing the two Pepsi cars on the front row with the same strategy because, you know, I, don't, I even talked about this with, with Tim Edwards on the on the Saturday night and he he was saying that's the that's the fastest way to run the race from lights to check a flag. And, you know, he was, he was quite openly saying that was the strategy and he thought a lot of the field were going to do it. But obviously the trade-off is is the exposure to to yellow and what that does to you? Um, quite a, quite a few guys like um, like Red Bull had had tried they they run their softs on on Friday in practice one and then reran them in practice two and found they had no grip when they tried to go back to them so they just never considered doing the, um, the most of the field never considered from what I from what I'm told doing the double double soft dip because they didn't have the time off of pro drive so that. The fact that the ProDrive cars were so good opened up that strategy, but then it just opened them up to risk. So they, uh, in hindsight, definitely should have split the cars. Yeah, Chad, it's it's always interesting to see when a team is going to, you know, is going to roll the dice and say, 
we're confident that we can be the front runner from light to flag. Yeah, well, they did it so easily on Saturday, didn't they? But I think that's a, a fact that in Perth, track position is really important and they wanted to navigate that race from the front. Uh, and to be honest, if that safety car never came out, they, they would have at least had one car on the podium, maybe both, maybe even won the race. We'll, we'll never know. But that, that strategy would have worked out okay. I think, um, you know, Chaz managed to show that you could still hang on to a fairly good result by swapping the tyres around and doing way more laps than they ever intended to do on them. I think they ended up doing pretty much half, over half the race in the end on those tyres. It was, what, 17, yeah, 45, 46 laps or something on the soft tyres, which was 17 more than anyone had ever planned to do so. So the strategy could have worked. Um, but the difference is if that was Red Bull and that was Lowndes starting alongside Wink Up, uh, they would have done different strategies. If You see the two Red Bull guys, if they're on the front row together, you know, nearly every single time you see them split strategies. Yeah, about the only time you wouldn't is Sandown and Bathurst, where the race is so long. It's uh, it, it's likely that you're going to do something different in the middle. It's not that you have to do it at the start. Yeah, Lounge usually comes in early, uh, typically, like around, we see it a fair bit, Townsville last year, we've seen it at Simmons Plains in the past. If he's behind Wink Up, then they always roll the dice, at least especially with Jeremy Moore they did that, and I imagined, uh, that, I imagine it will be the same way now in 2015, even without him, that they'll keep trying to be a bit different um, and Chaz was actually pretty lucky when that safety car came out that they decided to make that call to send him around one more lap so they didn't have to put up with any double stacking either, and they just got away with that. Yeah. Uh, so it, it is the danger of not splitting a strategy. There's, there's two, it's, it's twofold. And, Stefan, we've managed to go three minutes into the conversation about Lowndes and not talked about his 100th. Is this 100th watch going to be one of the most painful things we're going to have to deal with until <laughs> it happens? Well, it depends what what uh, media you consume. There was nothing written about it on Speak Cafe until, uh, until today, I think. So, um, yeah, certainly, um, I don't know, it's... Uh, the, the V8 world seems a bit obsessed with stats these days of, oh, it's Gary Rogers' 100th race since he cut his hair or something, and it's, um, you know, Craig Lowndes' 100th win and blah, blah, blah. Obviously, it's, it is a great milestone, that one, for, for Craig, but... Um, you know, I'm sure he's a bit bemused by the fact that uh, every five seconds he gets asked uh, whether he's more nervous because he's about to win a hundred, or whether he's going to think about it when he brushes his teeth tonight, or you know, it's just it's just another win, it's just another bag of points when he gets it, and uh, off you go. He is the championship leader, Chad. You think all the uh, worry would be is how are you going to stay there? Not what's the hundredth win? It's going to mean you stay there, obviously. I'm going to uh, politely disagree on this one. I uh, I think that there is definitely a big story there to be told. It's a celebration of our sport. It's, it is a mega milestone. This just isn't another stat. This is the stat. Uh, apart from maybe when he became the one driver to win the most races, this is a huge number, 100 race wins. The only problem is there's only so many ways you can rewrite that story and ask him if he's feeling nervous about it and he'll keep downplaying it until we get to, say, Bathurst and he hasn't won one then it will be a different story to be like, uh, oh, yeah, this is definitely a nervous 90 situation. But the stats book will show you from last year, Craig didn't win another race after Wanneroo. So I'll put it to you guys. Is it impossible that Jamie might get there first? No, it's Imagine not impossible. No, He's going to win it's, nine it's, more. Craig's only going to win one. If it happened last year, it would have happened. I think from, uh, from memory, Jamie went on to win nine from about this time of year, and Craig didn't win another one. So it's doable. Chad Nalen, you uh, have just—you've just totally 
spun out the world here with that <laughs> comment, haven't you? Uh, Stefan, do you reckon you could get that story up? All I'll say is this. Jamie and Craig are both on 99 wins and they're on the front row for, I don't know, batters, <laughs> then, then I'll get excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, the man in second place is James Courtney, Chad. Is, yeah, he, out of the, trouble. is he the accumulator? I guess the wins at Clips will sort of shoot down my theory, but, uh, gee, he's just been there or thereabouts and picking up the points. Staying out of drama. Uh, he did this well, the start staying of out year, of drama though. except for Saturday at... Uh... Three <laughs> Eager Point. Yeah, well, that drama, that didn't cost him any points, for sure. <laughs> um, he, uh, he did this at the start of last year he, where he really performed on the Sunday race in particular. Um, podium at Winton on the Sunday race. One Clipsal, obviously. Did that again this year. So he seems to uh, be there when it matters for the big points race. Can HRT keep this up? Well, we'll have to wait and see. Once they get back onto the street circuits, they'll be definitely quick again. Um, Winton's a, a test track for them, so you hope they'd be quick there too. But I don't know, man. It's so early. It's you know we've had what nine races in the championship yet. It's hard to really say anyone's uh, an accumulator as of yet. I think uh, Fabian Coulthard's also a bit of an accumulator at the moment. I think Fabs has been in the top ten every race so far. So yeah. they're both there or thereabouts in terms of uh, clocking along the points. Stefan, uh, how far they can stretch that, I'm not too sure. Mm. Stefan, your thoughts. Yeah, certainly um, what cost uh, James a bit last year was a couple of a couple of failures that they uh, did a bit of staff reorganising to uh, to make sure they cleaned up those uh, significant dips in his point score. Um, so, yeah, definitely making the most of weekends where you don't have, um, it's a bit of an old cliche, but where you don't have the fastest car, getting as many points as you can is important, and he certainly did that pretty well at the weekend but at the same time I don't think they will be uh, patting themselves on the back too much for that because the stark reality is that they didn't have a fast enough car and you know even the trait that, that Chad was talking about about um, how sort of they're on it for the for the Sunday double points races the flip side of that is that it's just taken them so long to get going each weekend um, we saw that a lot last year where um, some other teams could could roll them out of the truck and, and be be better earlier, um, which is another area of the game that they've got to clean up because there's still there's you know a lot of positive hype around the Holden Racing team and rebuilding and, and all this stuff, but um, they still have tracks where they're not there and they still have have weekends where it takes a while to, to get up and running. So uh, definitely uh, James will be a contender throughout the year and. And for sure, he did well to get as many points as he did. I think he was the fifth highest point scorer for the weekend. And he clearly didn't have a car to fight for a, a podium at any point. Mm. Stefan, uh, Chad did mention that uh, Courtney going to his test track. But I know I spoke to Coulthard and uh, he said, yeah, it's our home track. It's our test track that we cannot test on. Or we haven't test on anyway, because they've only got one day left. And those who can will save that for Bathurst. Let's not start on that again. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, does, it just goes to show, really, there is no home tracks left in Vert Supercars. And most of the guys have been to the, all the tracks so many times, it's, they know what they're in for. It's all, always such a funny one as well, where you have, um, you have the local engineers talk about the fact that um, when you know a track better, you have a playbook, and when X is happening, you automatically go to Y. 
and on any given day that does, doesn't necessarily work. So they kind of go down these paths that they, they think they know and it comes up with a different result. So, um, you know, quite often we've seen over the years that the the away teams end up winning at those at those tracks too. So um, even if you you know even if you do six test days like we used to, it's no uh, guarantee for success. Uh, well, we need to take a break here on Inside Supercars, but there's still more when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. It's Chad Nalen, Stefan Bartholomeus, join me, Craig Revell. And I don't know, have we done enough about tyre allocation, guys? Have you got it off your chest, Chad? Uh, yeah, and I think the the powers that be are listening. Um, they obviously realise that there's a problem there. Nobody wants to see processional Saturday races won by whoever starts in the front row, which I think seems to be the case at all four of our Super Sprint Saturday races so far. So um, expect to see change as to how they go about that. I don't know, because obviously you've got two problems there. You've got a lack of soft tyres and then uh, a will to keep the budgets low. So however they fix it, I don't know, but... Let's all hope for the sake of the sport that it happens soon. Mm. Of course, the 20-minute 20, 20 qualifying session on Sunday, when you had guys just sitting in that pit lane for 15 minutes of them, of it, it was uh, quite interesting. But Lee Holsworth's rollover shows you could get burnt just as easy by sitting there, Stefan. Yeah, it's... Um... It's one of those things when, uh, you know, there's a bit of criticism of that, of like we go to shorter and sharper sessions. And I even heard someone in the media centre say that, oh, 10 minutes is too long on Saturdays. It should be five-minute <laughs> sessions. But um, like we used to have, you know, I don't know, F1 with a 60-minute session on Friday and then a 60-minute on Saturday, and people would just sit around for a while. But um, so obviously, but I think, you know, the 20-minute, it creates, it creates sort of drama that, you know, people are waiting to go out, waiting for the right time. And, um, yeah, so I don't think we need to chop any more time out of it. And as you say, um, you know, it's, it's just like the races, it's risk and reward. You can be waiting for the for the optimum grip level of the track. But then uh, Lee uh, does his uh, annual or, or twice annual or whatever it is up to now, a rollover, and, uh, and you're in a world of hurt. So, uh, <laughs> The other big story, though, Chad, and it's your home track, the track conditions. The drivers ad nauseum were saying, well, yeah, we're running around on rubbish rubber, but the track just tears the rubber apart. You only get one one good lap on the tyres, and then it's just downhill from there. Yeah, um, I'm pretty unsympathetic about that. I mean, it's, it's the same for everyone. Uh, yeah, okay, you might only have one chance to lay down a good qualifying lap, better make it work. Uh, Tire degradation does create interesting racing. We, we saw that yesterday. We saw great results because of that. Maybe that whole Sunday race might not have been as exciting had, had the deg not been as bad. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't see too much of an issue. 
I mean, yeah, the grip level is ridiculously low. That gets sandy. The the track surface has sort of deteriorated in the last eleven years. But oh man, it's the same for everyone. And at the end of the day, whoever's best on their tyres, maybe Erebus and the PRA guys, clearly were the ones that won the race. Mm. Stefan, I had one of uh, the media say to me at Clipsal, I think it was, watch the change in discussion. There's the uh, white paper that's being put around for the future plans of the sport. And part of their conspiracy theory was we're going to drop off a few of these tracks and the good tracks might get two races and the street tracks will get their one race, but... We could see some tracks going. Is the discussion about this track isn't suitable, this track isn't good enough, or we're planting the seed for a real radical shake-up of that supercar racing? Well, yeah. To be honest, if, if any tracks are going to be falling off uh, the calendar, I think it'll be more the street tracks when the governments decide not to tick the box on the funding. But, uh, you know, Barbagallo, the surface, like it, it always brings the tyre talk like, um, to another level over what it what it traditionally is but as dad was kind of saying it's just the character of the place like um you know some people say i'm a bit abrasive too but i don't take it as an insult so uh, <laughs> uh it's, uh, it's, it's an extra challenge for everyone and i think like just going back to the tires like we're all talking about like there's two different sort of issues there there's the race allocation and then there's the practice allocation and the the fact that it's limited the amount you get for the you know qualifying and the races it does have, there's a trade-off there. Um, like, it does have its um, intrigue and strategy that it brings to the show. But the practice side of it is probably the bit that I would like to see fixed more so than anything else. Um, because, like, any punter that's watching that on Foxtel deserves a medal, like, for their enthusiasm <laughs> for the sport. Like, bloody hell. <laughs> it's, also, it's also interesting because you want tyre degradation and you want the teams that set their car up best to be able to go that bit further to be able to have a strategy that works. So in actual fact, tracks like Barbagello and Hidden Valley that do tear up a tear up your tyres is exactly what we want because that's what they put the soft tyre into the competition for, Chad. Exactly, yeah, because Deg makes things interesting. Look at the Dunlop series. They did three 28-lap races on two sets of tyres. Hmm. I mean, that's uh, far more than what anyone was doing on the Saturday. You know, that's, We had two sets of tyres for two 25-lap races in V8 Supercars. They had two sets of tyres for three 28-lap races in the Dunlop Series, and look how exciting that was. And a reverse grid race in the middle of it. Uh, no, race two wasn't. Oh, it wasn't. Didn't, okay. didn't, no, didn't even need it. That's the thing. They, it was exciting enough without it. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, we're, all, we're all talking about tyres so much, and uh, as to whether or not we're going to start dropping tracks for certain things, well... I think uh, that's getting down a very Formula One path there. You know, we're not going to the Hockenheim, we're not going to the Nurburgring, and put, you know, there's always been talk about tracks like Spa getting dropped. It'd be a very sad day when the tracks that made this sport so interesting get dropped. Mm. Well, we have seen it in the past, so it's certainly. Uh, I think even this CEO said it. There's no sacred cows. Uh, Cam Waters just finally. Cam Waters now leading the championship in the Dunlop Series. Chad, uh, great drive, clean sweep in the weekend. More good news for Pro Drive Racing Australia. Yeah, I mean he was in a class of his own though on the weekend. Like it wasn't even close. I mean he just gapped the field every single race. I mean he had to make a couple of moves after I think it was race one where he needed to pass. I think it was just Chris Pither actually. Mm. And after that he just just drove away from everyone. I remember watching the first race. He won it by six or seven seconds, and I thought, geez, he's got to be hard there on his tyres. And then everyone in the pits was saying, no, actually, his deg was possibly better than anyone else's. 
And then uh, he proved that by doing it again in race two and then again in race three. The problem is if he keeps winning like this, Pro Driver are going to have a pretty interesting situation on their hands as to what the hell they do with him at the end of the year because uh, they can't have him running around the Dunlop series smashing everyone like they did on the weekend. Uh, they're going to have to find a home for him somewhere in the main game like they did with Chaz, whether that's palming him off to another team for a while on loan, sort of, like they did with Chaz, or whether or not they uh, slot him into one of their own four cars. Well, that's going to be the, uh, the interesting point that will come up sooner rather than later, I imagine. I think that came up sooner. Didn't they tell uh, David he's on his uh, he's on notice, Stefan? Well, I think everybody's on notice. It's the uh, competitive pressure of motorsport. Um, if you don't perform, or even sadly these days, if you do perform, uh, but you haven't got uh, the sponsorship behind the entry, then you're going to be in trouble. But, um, yeah, I think Cam Waters, he's clearly a mega talent. Like He showed that before my forward, and he's had enough time now in, in V8 Supercars, and he's in a very, very good car there in the Dunlop series. So this is exactly what he needs to do. Um, and he's he's getting it done. Like He's been criticised, um, I think, quite rightly in some circumstances for uh, a few errors of judgment. It's caused a few incidents in the past, but um, this year he just needs to stitch it all together and then, uh, yeah, hope that um, the commercial circumstances around, whether it be ProDrive or, or another team, can can work to uh, get him in the main series because uh, surely he's going to get there at some point and he's, uh, he's got the talent to uh, go a long way. Yeah, and he has been. And, and interestingly, when you do talk to him, he talks about, I've made mistakes in the past this year. I've got to show that I've matured and I, I won't make those bad decisions. So he's, uh, he is showing that with this experience, he's, uh, he's working on his own development there, which is important. A final break here on Inside Supercars and then a final thought after this. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, Through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Stefan Bartholomew and Chad Nalen. A final thought from you, Stefan. Uh, I guess uh, a final thought is, is a bit of a disclaimer that you've uh, you've um, had me on the show here after about three hours sleep after Red Eye Flight. So I'll just uh, <laughs> say that um, maybe I have been slightly more braces than normal. I should just clean up the fact that I have immense respect for uh, for Craig Lowndes and everything he's achieved. And uh, <laughs> that, that won't change. My point is that won't change if he's on 99 wins or 100 or 101. He's clearly one of the absolute greats of the of the championship not only on track but um clearly off track as well so uh, the fact that uh, everyone's talking about 100 can get a bit tedious but uh, the good part about it is that um we're all recognizing uh, the contribution he's made to this sport mm, yes i think the 100 will eventually be the equivalent of richard petty's 200 it's just uh, an amazing achievement, although unlike Richard Petty's 200, he's got someone who's close enough to break it before he died. I think the president turned up for his 200, didn't uh, yep. he? So uh, well, we'll see who can turn up for great. Yep, uh, President <laughs> Reagan was at uh, Daytona. 
interestingly enough, he had flown out before Petty had run, won the race. It, it, it was going to happen. It was hap- well. I think it was just happenstance that the president was coming to the Daytona 500. Uh, sorry, the uh, Firecracker 400. I think it was, and okay. um, and he'd already flown off, and Petty went on to win. So he must have just got sick of the hype and left. <laughs> <laughs> Chad Nayland, a final thought or, or observation? Well, since we're talking stats, I might uh, throw another one out there. It's not 105 races since Gary Rogers' last haircut, but um, it is. <laughs> Race one on the weekend, we did see Shane Van Gisbergen tick over 50 races without a DNF. And uh, that is super impressive for one of the more aggressive guys in the field, a guy who's been harshly criticised for his decision-making in the past. And if anything, it proves that he has really come a long way as a driver and uh, matured as a driver. And if he's going to claim a championship one day, whether it be at Techno this year or with his future ground at Triple Eight, obviously DNF are what kill championships. And I think he's worked that out of his system. Yes, I'll finish with a stat. It's uh, 12 months since he last flicked the bird at a fellow New Zealand driver. <laughs> See how far he's come? <laughs> so he hasn't even he hasn't flicked the bird at anyone, hasn't had a DNF. He's, uh, he's grown up into uh, one, of, one of V8 Supercar's fine gentlemen. Mm. Stefan, pleasure to have you on the show. I'm sorry to keep you out of bed for so long. That's right. Hopefully you can use some of this on, on air. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, always great to have you on. Cool, man. Uh, see everyone at Winter, eh? Yeah, looking forward to that. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Till next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.